siblings. I'm your co-host, Thomas Dempsey. I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Honor. And we are here today to discuss reading and things. Yeah. Elizabeth, you got things? I got lots of things. This is a crazy week. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, uh, let's see here. We had the blessing of the backpacks at church on Sunday. Okay. We, uh, I, I'm familiar. Do you say you are familiar? Yeah. Okay. Um, we had that on Sunday. I had to take the dog, or my dog, not, not just any old dog. I had to take Violet um, to the orthopedic surgeon in Columbia on Monday. Okay. So, oh, it's um, that far out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I assumed it was in Florence, but it makes more sense it'd be in like a city area. Yeah, um, our vet that we go to here in Florence, they said nobody does it, like, nobody in Florence does the surgery. Okay. So, you have to, so, like, they obviously have a relationship with this surgeon in Columbia. Um, other vets have relationships. I think there's a surgeon in Charleston. Uh, but, like, you have to travel if you want to get this particular surgery done. Right. Um, okay. So I had to take her to the surgeon yesterday, Monday, uh, and then yep. we're starting up the honor choir at school. Alrighty. So we had rehearsal. We had our first rehearsal. That went well. That's um, good to hear. Yeah. And then I had a faculty meeting, and then tomorrow I go pick up the dog from the surgeon, and then Thursday I have a national board certification information meeting that's going to be like two hours long and then friday i'm getting my hair done okay sounds good so it's a busy week yeah i think i'm about due for a haircut i usually oh goodness i usually go about three months nowadays yeah about depending on how much i get lopped off so i feel like i'm on the the nice side of long at this point it's not like really bunching up in the back but yeah it's sort it's sort of feathering out when i wear my hat oh okay i'll probably need to get it trimmed at some point yeah yeah things are going along for me uh works keeping steady and uh things at home are about it like normal oh uh let's see i guess last not last weekend the weekend of uh, the fifth uh, uh-huh. tax-free weekend, mm-hmm. I went and bought a new PC. My uh, old one I got back in 2013 when I started grad school, so uh, I've been needing something I think with a bit more oomph, especially if uh, I'm going to be con- looking into perhaps some work-at-home opportunities in the f- near future. Right. So I got myself an. Alienware Aurora R12, uh huh, which is not the best PC on the market, but it's it was probably like the best PC on the market, like uh, a year or two ago. Okay, which is pretty good. So I've got like the one of the more high end video cards. I've got a good bit of RAM, uh, cooling and stuff. Okay. So, yeah, and I uh, hadn't been doing... I got it set up with, like, my major apps and uh, 
stuff like that, so I'll, I'm, I'm primed to use it for doing stuff, but really so far I've just been uh, taking it on walks through my Steam library. Right. A couple of games I've been meaning to get around to playing that I feel comfortable getting into now that I've got something I know will be supporting me for a while. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could talk to you. I could talk to you for a full hour about the games I've been playing. <laughs> uh, I've got my Switch in here in the bedroom. I've got my Xbox. I've been playing stuff on them. There's this game for Game Pass called uh, Escape Academy. Yeah. It's a first-person uh, escape room uh, adventure game where you basically attend a school for escape artists. Uh-huh. And every level is a different escape room where you have to go around solving puzzles and finding clues to get out of the room in time. And, uh, yeah, and it's got multiplayer options, so it seems like the sort of thing that'd be fun to play with somebody else on your first go. Yeah. But, of course, the problem being that, like, once you've played it, you've solved all the puzzles, so the replay value kind of slacks off. But it's it's pretty charming. Like it's the sort of game you play with like a pen and paper in hand to take notes and stuff. Right. So I've been having fun with that. Okay. And on Switch, I've been playing this RPG called uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. I've actually had it for a while now, and uh, the third in the tri in the series, the third entry just came out recently and has been getting a lot of good reviews. So I figured I'd try playing the first one and see. If it seemed like something up my alley, and I've been, it's good. I've been really enjoying it. It's got a pretty good loop, a gameplay loop as it's known, of just like the activities you perform and the time it takes to perform them. Yeah. So your, the conceit of the game is basically whatever fantasy world this is, there are basically these two giant titans that are like the sizes of continents. Uh huh. Who are engaged in like this millennia-long war. And then they killed each other, and now their corpses are just standing out in the middle of, like, a vast ocean. Uh-huh. And all of, like, life on this planet has sprouted out from and evolved on the bodies of these giant monsters. Okay. So, you play, like, these human characters who are living on one of the giant monsters' uh, bodies, and they're like constantly being attacked by robots from the other body right and you just kind of got to go about doing something with uh, doing something about it so it, it's pretty cheesy actually like in terms of the quality of the dialogue and a lot of the like incident in the story yeah but it, it's it's fun enough and the gameplay is really well balanced so i've been getting a lot of enjoyment out of it and also, okay. it's just like, it's almost like an open-world Jurassic Park game because you're going through all these places and they've just got, like, essentially dinosaurs roaming around that you can fight and uh, collect stuff from. And, yeah, it's cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'll definitely be playing more of that to, in the future. Yeah. And uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy IV, like the old Super Nintendo game, on my new PC just to like sort of break it just sort of like dip my toe in yeah and um i've got this like my sound bar set up to the pc for a speaker 
So whenever I'm playing it, like all the music is ported out. And uh, mom and dad have actually been enjoying listening to it. Because uh, it's like just these sort of orchestral scores that are based on like these original chiptune kind of music. Uh-huh. So it's just sort of nice, like passive, uh, like ambient noise. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's that's really good. I learned recently that Netflix has gotten into the gaming market where if you've got a Netflix uh, app on your phone, yeah, there's a little tab you can go to that's just Netflix games. And there are games you, like, you can download to your phone through Netflix and uh, play for free with your subscription. Okay. Yeah, so I haven't tried any of those out yet, but it sounded pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, and yeah. You know, with, yeah. I was just and, gonna say uh, I didn't know that was a thing Netflix was doing. Yeah, I think it's relatively recent. I think only in the last couple months have they really rolled it out or yeah. really made a push for it. So, yeah, that's pretty neat. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely be keeping you like informed about stuff like that. Um, I will say, I got you. You've still got your Switch. Yes. Yeah. Have you been getting any use out of it? Um, I have not been playing it like I want to, really. I keep wanting okay. to download that, that, like, ship game that you showed yeah, us. Yeah, Return of the Obra Dinn. Yeah. Yeah, I showed that to y'all uh, when you came, or when you, rather, came over to visit a few, uh, about a month or so back. And, uh, yeah, I think you'd enjoy playing that on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, how... I gotta. I want to ask, and I okay. guess I can just go ahead and broach it now, since it's gonna be, since it's gonna keep coming up. How would you feel about doing a spinoff podcast about video games? Okay. Okay, and I only ask because, like I say, I play a lot of video games, and I feel like that's that'd be sort of an outlet to sort of engage with you on those. Right. Maybe help you get into finding some games you would like playing. Yeah, I was but, about to uh, say, it, it would very much be like a hand-hold, like, it'd be like a hand-holding type of project. Like, you would probably have to, like, tell, like, tell me a video game. and sure. And I would report back to you. Yeah, that that could be the angle of it. But uh, really, what's, I, I'll be honest, the main motivating factor is that I've thought up a name. Oh, Lord, and okay. I was, I was sitting in my room the other day, and I was like, if I wanted to do a podcast about video games, what would I call it? And uh, I was thinking about, like, branding and terms and stuff, and I was just sort of, like, flapping around trying to find something. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. And then a little later, I go out in the living room, and Mom asked, are you okay? Uh-huh. Because the second I realized what I was going to call it, I just sort of shouted out loud. <laughs> and she could hear me from the living room. Uh-huh. So, I, at that point, I pretty much figured that we've got to at least commit to trying it out. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the video game podcast would be called, from the creators of Your Words Against Mine play on words (laughs) 
think that about says it all. I love it. Yep. Ah, man. I, oh, I was man. Like, I kept coming up with names, and I was like, nah, that's too clunky. You're trying to force a theme or what have you. And then that just snapped into place. And I've looked on, like, iTunes earlier today, and the only other podcast I could find with that name was, like, a mini series from ni- 2019. So I don't think there'd be any, uh, any sort of confusion where that's concerned. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, you ready to talk books? Yeah, let's talk books. Alright, well. Uh, first off, did you read anything apart from the, uh, the, the book for this week's challenge? Yes, I read three other books. Okay, well you can talk, tell us about those then. Okay. Um, well, (laughs) so the first book I read was the fifth book in that series that I talked about last episode. So, like, I'm just going to say I read it and move on. Okay. Cause, was cause it good? It was, uh, it was fine. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't want to get fussed. I don't want to get yelled at again. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. Like... I feel like, honestly, like the fifth book, I feel like she is, I feel like the author, who's Victoria Aveline, I'm sorry, the book is called Using Feho, and it's book five in the Clacanian series. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like she just had so many opportunities, I feel like she had so many opportunities to make this like a full-fledged, like, continuing series, um, because she introduced so many side characters and so many, like, sprinklings of potential relationships um among side characters and then this book just like wraps it all up like like we're gonna call it done and she doesn't explore any of the things i thought she was gonna explore huh is that common for a series like this where the author just seems like they lose steam and just wrap it up to be honest i've never seen this huh like interesting and maybe it's just because i'm so used to like um i think it was last year i was reading that like motorcycle club series that was i don't know how many books i got through before i was like i need a break yeah has that series been on has released any new volumes yes like it's still ongoing are you all caught up with it though or are you gonna get back into it eventually i'll probably get back into it um but I haven't like I haven't read any of that series like this year or this season I don't think. Okay. Um. But you know, like a lot of these series that I get into, and I may not read all of them, but I I commit myself to probably at least five books in the series. I mean, like these series are like fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one books long. Yeah. And then inspire spinoff series. And okay. so, yeah. for this author to, like, have a very similar setup and then just be like, nope, I've written five books, like, I'm gonna call it done. And I'm kind of like, but you didn't even explore the side relationship that I really wanted you to explore. Because uh, you've been hinting at it for five books. Oh, boy. But whatever. Oh, yeah. What you gonna do? 
yeah, what you gonna do? But I mean, otherwise, uh, it was fine. Uh, okay. So that was using Feho. Um, the other or the second book I read was called Little Fire, which is book one of Warriors of the Five Realms by Holly Mans. And this okay. is this is a. I want to say this is like light high fantasy. Okay. So it's not so high fantasy. It's not like Lord of the Rings high fantasy. Okay. Right. Or like Wheel of Time high fantasy. But mm-hmm. it is more high fantasy than a lot of like fantasy romance that's out there. So this is about. Um, so in this world, there are five realms and. Each of the realms is created and ruled by a god. And because the Fae exist, um, they can go, like, people and mages go between the realms. But before I get into all that, let me, let me, I guess I need to start off. So in this book, there are three species that are very, very important. One is obviously humans. Or mortals. Mm-hmm. Second okay. is the Fae, or which all of the we've talked about the Seely and the Unseely, right? Sure. Okay. So all so like the Seely race has been completely annihilated, and the only Fae that are left are the Unseely, which basically means like the Dark Fae or Fae of the Night or whatever you want to call them. Um, okay. And then the the last one, which I dare say is probably more important than those two, are the mages. Okay, and they're not human. No, they are not. Mages are their own race. Um, The average age of a mage is 3,000 years. Yeah, what's up? And they, so, like, they're... um, Like, basically, if, uh, if a mage woman or you know, mage, like it basically, if the person has like some kind of mage ancestry and they get pregnant with a mage child, they're going to be pregnant for three years. Ouch. And like the child can live like 120 years or like the mage can be like 120 years old and they're on, and like they look like a 14, 15 year old kid. Okay. Like that's how slowly they age. So it's like Yoda. Basically, um, except obviously, like they're attractive. Hey, hey, no, no shame in Yoda. <laughs> um. So, I can't remember these characters' names. Part of the reason is because I got a cold. But oh wait, oh, his okay. his name is Declan. Wait, you said you got a cold? I have a cold. And, like, my brain has been just real fuzzy, like, all day. Okay. Um, the guy's name is Declan, and the girl, the girl's name is Evangeline. Right. Look at that. Look at me pulling that out of nowhere. So, he is actually an archmage. So, what that means is he is an extremely powerful mage who has gone through ascension which is basically like a rite of passage. And since he has gone through ascension, he is now the 
like ruler of one of the territories of this particular realm. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he's extremely, extremely powerful because he is the illegitimate son of two other archmages. And anyway, he's got a lot of trauma to deal with. Right. Uh, and then he meets Evangeline because there is a uh, trafficking issue in the realm and mm -hmm. so his army shows up to interfere with the kidnapping of several women and Evangeline is one of the women and so he okay. he ends up going after her when she is sucked through a portal into the realm of the dead okay and once they get there like his powers are depleted but like he's still stronger than a person Sure. But basically, it's the two of them, like, surviving together for ten days. So, part of you is kind of like, okay, how much of your attraction is based on, like, actually being attracted to each other? And how much of your attraction is based on trauma? <laughs> right. Um, but, anyway, Speaking they... of which... Yeah. Uh, not to interrupt, but, um, did you hear about Anne Heche passing away? I did, Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's one of those actors who I guess uh, I hadn't didn't realize who they were until like obviously their uh, the news of their passing and then their credits got passed around. Yeah. So I, it just came to mind because she was in that movie with Harrison Ford. That that's exactly that's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. Where they're on the island. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things that it's. You know, are they actually... Anyway, and then they, they go through all kinds of, like, adventures and misadventures. And they get back to the real world and they kind of try to figure out how to, like, be together. And Evangeline, um, part of what makes her character so interesting is she has issues with repressed memories. Mm. Which yep. affects her romantic life. Okay. Um, and so another big part of this book is her working through her trauma, trying to remember what happened to her. I see. So. Yeah. Uh, um, this is part of a, it's the first book in a duology. Oh, yeah. I'm not 100% sure, like, I don't know if I'm going to read the second book, because the first book was very much like, we want to be together. And so we have to, like, work to be together. And then I can sure. already... And then, like, from what I've read about the second book, the second book is very much, okay, we're together. Now we have to work on staying together. And I'm just not as interested in those types of stories. Okay. I get that. <clears throat> so, that was Little Fire by Holly Manns. And then okay. the... And then the final. Do you want to get into the third book after the break? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, we're going to take a break real quick, and when we get back, we'll be finishing up Elizabeth's reading for this week, and then uh, get into the challenge. Yep. And welcome back from the break. This is your words against mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. Before the break, I was talking about two of the books that I read, and I'm going to get into 
the other book that I read, um, aside from our challenge. Okay. So the final book I read is called Heart of Steel, and it's by Kathleen Cole and Frank Jensen, and it is the first book of the Vikings Motorcycle Club series. Okay. Quick question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just going off of what I know of these uh, kinds of stories, uh-huh. is the Vikings Motorcycle Club a actual motorcycle club, or is this all just like a kind of pretense for? Is this real world fan, real world or sci-fi? I mean, no, it's it's real world, but like I don't think the Vikings motorcycle, like I don't think the Vikings are a real motorcycle club. Okay, well, because when you said Vikings, I my mind went to like ice ice giants or whatever that series oh was. yeah so i was like oh there's motorcycle vikings now yeah no no these are like normal people okay um so is this, this any relation to that uh motorcycle series we were just talking about nope completely different okay uh so this one follows and basically, I can already tell you what's going to happen. But this particular book follows the story between Steel, who is the sergeant-at-arms for the uh, Vikings Motorcycle Club, and Remy, who is a college student who also owns a multi-million dollar trucking company. Wowzers. Wait, a college student owns a multi-million dollar. Yes. So she inherited... The company from her father who passed away her sophomore year of college okay so she is currently in her so when when the story is taking place she's in her junior year of college but she's like overloading on classes because she wants to graduate early so that she can just go ahead and like take over the business because okay. right because at this point her uncle is acting as owner is like taking on the owner responsibility so that she can go to school but he's also the acting manager alrighty um that's yep so the way that they meet uh the motorcycle some members of the motorcycle club like roll up to the campus because two of the members like their girlfriends are students so they're dropping, so like all of them go as a group and they're dropping the girls off so they can go to their classes. And uh, Remy and her friend Bridget like see the motorcyclist like across the street. And Bridget like is very outgoing. So she just goes across the street and she starts like flirting. And Remy is like, we're going to be late to class. So she goes over there to try to get Bridget and like get her to class and basically like steal likes what he sees so he tells his friend who's into Bridget like hey invite her to this party we're gonna have and like that's how they kind of get together okay um and basically the story what the story is is the story is a mystery whodunit wrapped up or it's a well I wouldn't say a whodunit but it is a it's a mystery crime sure story that is disguised as a romance story oh that 
And I can already tell you just from the first book, and this is not giving anything away. Basically, what's going to happen is, um, see, Remy is part of a group of girls. There's like five or six girls in like this group of friends. Yeah. And Steel is obviously part of a motorcycle club. So what's going right. to happen is the guys of the motorcycle club are each going to get together with a member of Remy's group of friends. Sure. And that's what each of the books is going to be about. Okay. That sounds cool. So, like, the crime mystery part of it was really, really interesting. Um, it was kind of a... I would say with this first one, it was kind of a gimme. Like, I kind of foresaw what was going to happen. I wasn't super surprised when, like, the when like things came to light. Um, but it was fun. It was a fun read. Okay. I just remembered, yeah. before we get into yeah. the challenge... Yes. I've I've got a bone to pick with my Facebook ads. Uh-oh. What happened? So, you know, with with social media platforms, like advertisements are usually tailored to the the content you engage with and your search history. Sure. Right? Well, I don't know why Facebook keeps recommending to me reverse harem novels. Okay. And I don't like the reverse harem genre. Okay. So what but... I think what I think is happening is I've entered this like continuous loop where I will see a book that I think looks interesting. I'll click on it to see what it's about and then find out it's a reverse harem series and like be, just get just get mad. Okay. I'm sorry about that. It's really frustrating because that's how I, that's how I find a lot of the books that I read. Sure, is through Facebook yeah. advertisements. Okay, uh, I don't know where I. I guess I. Hmm, trying to think. I guess I get most of my book ideas or recommendations from either podcasts or just browsing the stores. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it works out. Yeah, Facebook do better. Alrighty. Well, uh, you ready to talk about this week's reading challenge? Yes. Alright. Shall I uh, sound off on the book in question? Um, well, I can introduce the challenge since I'm the one who gave it, and then you can start the discussion? Sure. Okay. So, the book that I selected for this week's challenge... Um, was Moviola by Garson, what's his name? Kanan. Yeah, Garson Kanan. Um, and the reason why I selected this book was because I got it into my brain to like start on a project to become more versed, like better versed in like television and pop culture. Um, so I went looking through like Emmy nominations because I thought that would be a good place to start. And okay. one of, and the winner for, or I think it was, it was either a winner or one of the nominees was, um, a mini series called Moviola and it, which was based on this book and it was a three part mini series. Well, the first two, or no, I'm sorry, the first part and the third part are available like on YouTube or through other streaming services, but the second movie I can't find anywhere. Okay. 
So I was like, okay, well, I'll just assign this book because the miniseries is based on this book. Sure. All right. And take it away, Thomas. Okay. I did not finish this book. Okay. Okay. Where did you uh, get to? I read part one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, as far as the premise of the book goes, um, as it extends through the first part of the book, basically there's this uh, movie studio that's uh, uh, poised to be acquired by this corporation. Yep. And one of the uh, kind of like middlemen for this corporation is being flown out to California to meet with the studio head, who's this 92-year-old sort of Hollywood legend. Yep. And uh, and this guy, he's sort of like a East Coast hustler. He's been like going behind his boss's back, sleeping with his wife, doing stuff. So he's not a very likable character. Yeah. But uh, he's the sort of like entrance entry into this world and these people. And so he he flies out to the West Coast and puts on the charm, meeting with the studio founder's wife and their staff and he like uh takes a room at their house um estate i guess yeah and is there for like uh like these fancy dinners and parties that the guy holds and while this stuff is going on he gets some alone time with the studio founder whose name is like ben farber yes and basically just gets the story of the guy's life all under the pretense of like officiating the transfer of this studio under the uh, corporate umbrella that this guy works for right so so he's doing all this and then that's like one half of the story seemingly whereas the other half or indeed you could say like the main uh, focus of the book is on the life and times of this uh, studio head. Yes. Uh, oh goodness, those cats are losing. Cats, stop. Uh, Sorry, I keep guess, going. Uh, Bernie's done hanging out, huh? Yeah, like that's what happens. Bernie gets sick of it, and yeah. Alrighty, you need to let anybody out, or you good? No, they're good. Okay, so yeah, so basically, uh, Ben is like. <laughs> This 92-year-old whose who's, uh, faculties are sort of slipping a little bit and who, like, kind of gives off an air of being an unreliable narrator, but who is generally, like, a really personable and charismatic figure. Yeah. And so he starts telling the, the uh, corporate guy his life story, and it goes back to him and his family's immigration from Europe back in like the early 19th century because this book is obviously set in like the 1980s or 1990s thereabout so this guy is coming over to america and coming of age basically right at the dawn of the movie picture business yep and one of his first like entryways into like filmmaking and stuff is like having a general store that they rent out to a guy to double as a movie theater mm-hmm. and then he uh gets in touch with thomas edison himself and becomes a distributor 
or a uh, what do you call it when you've got like you're like the theater owner basically he buys up all these theaters uh, and uses what them do they to, call them exhibitor exhibitor that's the word he becomes an exhibitor for uh, Thomas Edison and then at the end of part one basically all these guys movie theaters have gone under but he still wants to be involved in the movie business so he moves him and his wife and their son out to New York to work at Thomas Edison's um, I don't think it's Edison's actually I think it's uh, so, um, D.W. Griffiths studio yes somebody like that so uh, so obviously you're getting like all these real life uh, cinema history figures that are being brought into the story of this fictional like movie producer guy yep and uh, so that seems to be like It'll, like it'll be an ongoing thing for the rest of the book but then part one ends with them getting ready to move out to California which which was obviously a much bigger deal back in the day because I don't know what like uh, transit like railway transit was like back then but it sounds like it's gonna be a trek yeah um yeah so all of that is you know, happened, and they actually never take a train out west. That, that seems weird. I, I assumed uh, maybe this is just like Miss. Uh, I don't know. I just. I guess I just assumed that like the transcontinental railroad was a thing by then. And the thing is, is I'm sure it was, but they chose to take a car. Okay. And That's and weird. And. He, in his retelling of the trip, he was like, it was terrible. Like, you know, there were multiple times that there just wasn't a road there. So we had to go out of our way. We had a hard time finding gas stations. So we had to keep like, like cans of gas in our car. Um, it took him like three weeks to get out there. Like it was awful. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a whole thing. Yeah. But then obviously I can presume certain things about the plot because like there's this one scene early in the book where uh, uh, this Ben Faber guy meets the secretary of uh, the guy who's like head of the studio he's working at mm-hmm. and it's the same name as the woman who later becomes his wife right so that automatically that tells you that they have a like a relationship that develops but also that the relationship he has with his then uh, current wife sort of I guess hits some straights yeah so yeah I, mean, I think the book in those early in those early passages is pretty good about setting up like for foreshadowing yeah like with all the stuff in the then present day uh, sort of being reflected back in the earlier bits yeah and that's a very inch like a compelling dramatic hook as far as these kinds of stories are concerned uh-huh i will say though i and i don't mean to like pass this off or anything but i feel like i would have gotten much farther if we'd had a more likable protagonist because yeah. that was honestly a big turnoff for me reading it like just getting into it was the fact that you kind of are beholden to this dude who's kind of just in it for himself and like super cynical and like I don't know I just 
didn't really like jive with the guy. Yeah. But the guys, but the portions of the book that obviously seem to comprise the bulk of it, with just the uh, Ben guy, uh, were a lot more interesting to me. And obviously, yeah. those had a lot more to do with um, cinema and the history of it and such. And also, I feel like I'm just more naturally drawn to period fiction. Yeah. So just the very pretense of this book, of those portions of the book being set in the early 19th nineteenth uh, century, or early 20th century, were uh, much more interesting to me. Yeah. Than the books that were sort of more in a more modern milieu. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that was, that was that was sort of my experience with it. Another thing that was sort of giving me trouble, though, was uh, the act of getting it. Yeah. Because obviously, well, not obviously, but for much of the reading I do for this podcast, I try to do, like, with physical copies of books if I can. Right. And with this one, obviously, we're dealing with a book that's, I don't know if it's out of print, but it's not so easily found. Right. And the most readily available version we could find, and I'm assuming you got this version too, was on the Nook reader, the Barnes and Noble e-reader. I found mine on Kindle. You did found yours on Kindle. Okay. Yeah. Cuz but, I But when um when I was reading it like, and I mean like it's fine, but mine does not give page numbers, it gives location numbers, which we've had this conversation uh, before. That's rough. Yeah, well, the the Nook version does give page numbers, so mm-hmm. that's what I was able to use to just extrapolate out of word count for okay. this one, even though I didn't finish it. I was able to, like, uh, basically just do like we normally do and go off a of best right. uh, estimate based right. on page length and what have you. So, it worked out. Yep. Yeah, but honestly, like, I had to download the Nook app, then I had to go into my browser to purchase the book because the nook app did not allow for buying uh, it on my phone yep so i had to buy it through the browser and then access it in the app yep which was i guess because it's not like an official nook product that that, that that's how that worked out well i have to do the same thing with kindle yeah like if i okay. want to purchase like now kindle unlimited is slightly different i can download books from kindle unlimited like through the actual amazon app and it'll go to my kindle or i can do it straight from the kindle app but if i want to purchase a book i have to go in through a browser okay um but at this point like i'm so used to doing it because i primarily read all my books in ebook format just because it's more convenient sure um because like I'm always like I know I will always have my phone with me, so if I ever get, you know, an extra fifteen twenty minutes of downtime, or if I have to wait, I just pull my phone out and read. Yeah, and I'm more inclined to use my phone to read manga. Yeah. So, like, if I'm gonna be reading something on my phone, that's usually what I default to, which is another thing that gets in the way of me, like reading stuff for this show. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be sticking with this book. I'm in- interested to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I think you'll. I think you'll enjoy it. Now, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that you're necessarily going to like people any better. Okay. Because I didn't. Fine. Yeah. 
Um, that's that's cool. But I I will say this because I I really enjoyed this book. I I, I enjoyed this book. I was a little bit surprised that it's not more well known. Sure. Um, which I mean, I guess you know that's going to happen. Like, not every book that's published is going to be a well-known book. Yeah, the vast majority of them, in fact, will exactly, probably fall through the cracks. Um, but I, Especially. I thought, I thought this was like well written and easy to read, and it was engaging and it was entertaining and all that stuff. I will say this. The um, maybe not my biggest takeaway from it, but I feel like just the whole vibe of the book is very like Gatsby ish. Oh, like Great Gatsby. Yeah, like the Great Gatsby. Sure. Like the whole thing is like very Great Gatsby ish, and I remember when I read the Great Gatsby, you know, just being like enthralled and thinking it was so glamorous and. And then, you know, the things that happened in the book, like they were terrible. And and now now reading this Gatsby-ish book in my 30s, I'm like, wow, this is misogynistic AF. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is a book written by a man for a man. I, I get that. Guys, stop <laughs> yeah, it. The cats, ain't, the cats ain't having it. I'm going to take you out of the pound. Not really. No. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I feel like given the subject matter, obviously, some that's just a problem with a lot of books, obviously, that deal mm-hmm. in um, like a male perspective of history. Yeah. Especially. Rather, like, rather than if you're reading some historical fiction written by a woman from the perspective of a woman in the story... Yeah. Sort of get a, like a, a more diverse focus. Right. Like, have you? Did you ever read, uh, uh, the Essex Serpent? I have not. Did you get okay. me that book? I did. I did. I okay. did gift it to you after I finished it. Okay. But uh, that's like a book set in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. In like, uh, England or wherever. Yeah. And I've, it's written by a woman and one of like several of the main characters are women so uh that's definitely a book that like in spite of being set in a place at a place in time when women had uh much less agency it's uh still like very like female centric in terms of like perspective and whatnot yeah yeah all the same um I'll be I'll be sticking it out with this one, and I'll let you know what I think when I finish it. All right. But obviously, I'm not going to be getting any uh, word counts off of it. Right. I get double. But that's right. Woo-hoo. I feel like I've been I've been having trouble with reading challenges more this time around. I have too. I yeah. and it, it's not because they're not interesting. I just. I feel like I, stuff I in our lives has probably just gotten a bit more uh, stressful. Yeah. So, like, we aren't as, like, fully, com- like, I don't know. It's just stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. There's just stuff going on. We we lead, we lead busy lives. Yeah. 
But uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it before we moved on? Um, not really. I I said pretty much all I wanted to say. At least okay. all I all I could say without giving anything away. Oh, that's fine. So so, uh, uh, did you want to add that bonus to your reading total then? Yeah, I already did it. I did it while you were talking. Okay, well that's fine, and I don't need to reiterate mine because I haven't finished any books in the meantime. So. I, like I said, I spent all my time playing video games, so. Right. Yeah. So you can go ahead. Okay. So, hold on, let me pull it back up. Okay. So, w- including the bonus that I got for finishing the reading challenge, um, since our last episode, I've read 516,750 words, which brings my total for the year to six million fifty thousand eight hundred and twenty four which puts me at sixty percent of my word total from last year okay that actually put not to God. yeah all right that's uh that's on pace i think yeah yeah i'm uh i've, I've got I've still got like a two month buffer uh as far as like where I was last year. Yeah. So, but I'll, I'll try not to waste it. So, <laughs> I'll, yeah, work to get a few more books under my belt by next time. Okay. But speaking of next time, uh, you want to hit us up with our next reading challenge? Yes. So, I think it's time for us to delve into some nonfiction. Okay. Have we had a nonfiction challenge? We this, have not. This year? Okay. Not ex- yeah. Not explicitly. So... Uh, this okay so another challenge that i or another challenge that like i like to self-impose upon myself even though i will probably never accomplish it is uh to read through the recommended works uh from all the books oh sure so this is a book that i heard about from their very very first episode like way back in when was their first episode 2015 2016 okay Something like that. And it is the book, Bourbon Empire, The Past and Future of America's Whiskey. Okay. By Reed Mittenbuehler. Yeah. So, I felt like this would, you know, it's not too serious. It's a micro-history, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, it's... And I so I just, I thought, I thought this would be like a nice light little forage into some nonfiction since we haven't really done a whole lot of that this year yeah that's interesting uh, it reminds me of another book i've got that i've been meaning to read uh called girly drinks uh-huh it's by um uh one of the off one of the hosts of the uh reading glasses podcast the uh, it's also another another micro history about the history of uh of uh women and the alcohol business yeah. So it basically charts like uh, historical pathways through like various cultures relationship to alcoholic drinks and the place of women and their brewing and uh, production. So huh. you get stuff like uh, women's involvement during Prohibition era all the way back to like ancient like uh, religious rites conducted by women who were involved with like the brewing of wine or special types of uh drink yeah 
so yeah, it, I might I might check out both books just to sort of make it for a thematic pairing. I was about to say, shoot, I might check that out because that sounds really interesting. Yeah, well, I'll, if my uh, if I get through my copy quick enough, I'll loan it to you. Okay. Alrighty. That, but uh, yeah, uh, what was that name again? That was Bourbon. That was Bourbon Empire: The Past and Future of America's Whiskey by Reed Mittenbuehler. All right, sounds good. I look forward to reading it. Yeah. And uh, look forward to coming back again next time when we're going to be talking about Mexican Gothic. Yep. For my last reading challenge. Uh, so, uh, before we sign off for this week, you want to let people know where they can find us? Yes, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. Um, you can also find us at our website at yourwordspodcast.com and you can email us questions, comments, suggestions to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. All right. Well, as always, Elizabeth, it's been great talking to you. Good talking to you too. I hope the rest of your week goes down smooth and, uh, hope everybody travels safe and comes back at their appointed time yep that's right all right well you know what i always say at times like this bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.